Let's all rise for the scripture reading. Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 136, verses 1 through 9 and verse 26, and also from 1 Thessalonians 5:18. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for the steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Great job. Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Everyone have a good weekend? It's been a good, uh, busy weekend. It's uh, lots of good, uh, great things that happened, and so I'm very, very grateful. Um, but just good to be here in the house of God to uh, praise together, and uh, good morning to all our new visitors as well. So um, I'm Pastor David, just to uh, let you know, and I'm one of the pastors here in the English ministry. Uh, well, uh, before we go into our message, uh, this week is our famous American holiday Thanksgiving um, week. Actually, I used to be in an international church. And, uh, you know, when I talk about Thanksgiving, all the other people outside of America think, oh, you Americans are so selfish. Because you just, you know, you, this is an American holiday. And it's like, well, but Thanksgiving is a biblical concept, right? <laughs> and so, anyway, uh, what can I say? Well, we're going to talk about it, okay? And we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll go into the message. But before I do, why don't we just go ahead and pray, and uh, let's ask the Lord to open our hearts together. Okay. Father, uh, we do give you thanks uh, this morning as we come before you, God, uh, the one who rescues us, the one who saves us by your grace. Uh, thank you so much for not sparing uh, your only son, Jesus, for us. And because you did not spare Jesus for us, Lord, we have everything that's that we truly need in Christ. Truly, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we give you all the, the praise and thanks for it, Lord. God, I pray that as we talk about Thanksgiving and as we go into your word, uh, would you open up our hearts and would you allow us to respond in our hearts with genuine gratitude for your amazing abundant goodness and grace in our lives that's undeserved. God, uh, cause us to respond with lives that are lived in grateful joy and obedience to you. Now, Lord, would you open our hearts now by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of your word to us, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving is uh, one of my favorite holidays. It's probably my favorite holiday, actually, because it's so low-key. And it's a time when I think families get together and it's not as hectic and as rushed and stressful as Christmas can be sometimes with all the gift buying and, you know, all those things there. 
And so I really enjoy uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, not only is it a great time, I think just as a celebration for family, but it really recenters my heart on God's grace and His goodness. And it really helps me to really refocus. And even as I was preparing for this, uh, this, this week, I uh, just reminded of so many things in my life that I'm so grateful for, so many things in my life that I've really experienced uh, God's goodness and grace in uh, very distinct ways, uh, whether small or big. And, uh, you know, in small ways, I'm just, I'm thankful for things like Chick-fil-A, you know, opening up here in Monterey Park. And, uh, you know, for, the, for uh, LeBron James being in the Lakers uniform, amen to that, right? <laughs> Finally got them winning again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful as I see uh, Victor and Enoch, they're wearing their blue and gold, right? They got some reprieve. They've been suffering all season. And uh, so I'm thankful that they got some reprieve uh, yesterday. And uh, as USC folks, there's always next year, right? Oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, but I, I'm thankful for so many things. And I'm thankful for a lot of big things as well. Um, thankful for my family. Thankful for my kids. And thankful for the fact that uh, really, it's not something to take for granted that my family, that my kids are walking with Jesus, right? Such a great miracle. Uh, I'm thankful for our church. And I'm thankful that as a church, I feel like this past year, that we've been growing to really love God. And uh, thankful even for this past fall festival and uh, all the ways I feel like our, our church and our mission groups, our community groups are just serving the community, demonstrating the love of Jesus in so many tangible ways. And when I see these things happen, it really gives me tremendous joy and gratitude to see that our church is really aligning itself with, I think, what God's heart is for our community. So uh, there's so many good things actually I'm grateful for. But uh, I have to confess to you that um, a lot of times I have a problem. <laughs> and my problem is this, that even though there's so many good things as I reflect on God's grace to be thankful for, my, my problem is that a lot of times I so focus on what's not going well, you know. I easily focus on, you know, the challenges or I focus on why is it so difficult? Why is, you know, why is this situation so unfair? I focus on um, maybe some some difficult people, right? And I focus a lot of my thoughts on these kind of situations a lot of times. And when I do that, I realize that, you know, my heart goes from feeling this heart of gratitude to feeling this heart of self-pity or this heart of just being negative and uh, complaining and irritable. And I have this issue. I have this problem. And so... For me, talking about this idea of cultivating gratitude is so critical for me. It's so important because as a follower of Jesus Christ, um, I'm constantly learning and growing what it means to cultivate genuine gratitude in my life. And sometimes it's a challenge. It's It's not as natural as it should be. And I'm learning to, to just work on this and say, Lord, center, recenter my heart, my life upon you once again. And so I want to just share with you a few things about gratitude. In fact, um, 
you know, what I'm going to share with you is very simple because it's just from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Just one simple verse on gratitude. And uh, I'm just going to draw out a few observations uh, from these verses here. So, um, yeah, just 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. So Christina just read this, uh, these verses. And it's very simple. Not difficult to understand intellectually, but how are we doing in living this out? That's the real question, right? Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And this short verse actually has so much truth to it. And I'm going to just try to unpack it. But it has some amazing truth. And the first thing that I want you to see about this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is this. That gratitude is actually one of the most important qualities that God wants to develop in our lives. It is one of the most important qualities. Um, this is not some side issue of the Christian life. This is actually the point of knowing God. It's interesting that Paul says this. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. And then he uses this very strong language. He says, for this is the will of God. The will of God. Wow, those are pretty powerful terms. God's will. A lot of people ask the questions like, oh, what is God's will for my life? Uh, do I need to, you know, do I need to go down this career path? Uh, do I need to be a doctor? You know, do I need to be a teacher? Do I need to, you know, be an accountant or whatever, right? Um, who, who should I marry? Do I get married? What, you know, all these kind of big questions that sometimes we, we think about in our lives. Um, am I supposed to make a career switch? What is God's will? Well, God is saying this. He's saying, my will is very clear for your life. It's very clear. In fact, I've written it in the Word. My will for your life is that you give thanks in all circumstances. He equates something like gratitude, giving thanks, with the biggest issues of your life. This is God's will for you. This is what, it's very clear. In fact, I want to share with you that God takes gratitude so seriously in the Bible. Um, there's only six things in the Bible that, that God says, this is clearly my will for your life. There's only six things. Ready? The first is very obvious. God is not willing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So the, God's number one will for people is salvation. And I think we know that, right? God's, his, the biggest thing on God's heart is that he wants all peoples to come to a living relationship with this living God. That is his will. But the second thing that the Bible says, this is clearly God's will, is that you learn now that you're saved to be filled with the Spirit. So Ephesians 5.18, right? Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit um, well, this is, this is what the Bible identifies. This is God's will for your life, that you should now learn how to grow and cultivate this relationship with God and, and to grow in the things of God. And then the third thing that the Bible clearly talks about is 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Uh, 4, he talks about 
uh, this is God's will, uh, that is your sanctification. In other words, that you grow in purity and holiness before God. So God is taking you and he's trying to grow you now into this new person and he's trying to burn off all the impurities and burn off anything that's not pleasing to God that doesn't look like Jesus in your life. And so this is God's clear will for all of our lives. Well, the fourth thing the Bible talks about is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. And Peter talks about how it is God's will for all of us to be in submission to authorities. So authority figures in your life, um, government authorities, parental authorities, um, workplace, all of those things. But these, are, these things are all pretty important to, in God's eyes that we learn to submit to authority. The fifth thing the Bible talks about is God's will. First Peter chapter 3, verse 13, uh, 17 is talking about suffering. And that's not something that, you know, we like to hear or that, that's pleasant to hear about. But suffering is actually part of the Christian life, and it is part of God's will for our lives as well. And there's a lot that could be said about that. But uh, suffering is definitely used by God in our lives to purify us and to deepen our faith in so many ways. So if you're suffering, um, that, is, that is actually part of, very much part of what God is doing in your life. But the last thing that the Bible talks about, um, well, not the last thing, but one of the things that the Bible talks about is this. The will of God for you is to give thanks. He equates giving thanks right up there with being filled with the Spirit, salvation, um, you know, your sanctification, growing in holiness, growing in Christ. Like, it's right up there. So this is not a, this is not a peripheral issue. It's not like a, a small matter in the Christian life. So cultivating gratitude, right? This attitude of gratitude, right? This is, why is this so important? Um, there's a lot of reasons why this is important, why this is the will of God. But I will say this, that the chief mark of how do you know Jesus, how do you know that you have experienced the grace of God in your life, right? That the gospel has really penetrated you, that you, you have this relationship with Jesus. I'll tell you the chief mark, and we'll get to this a little bit later, is gratitude. The sense of undeserved mercies in your life that's been given through Jesus. Gratitude will mark your life. Um, it's, it's one of the primary markers that you really know who Jesus really is. And your life begins to change in tremendous ways when you live this life of gratitude and obedience to who God is. Um, one of the persons that I feel in our church, uh, to be honest, I feel tremendously encouraged. And, uh, you know, just, I know, you know, she, one of the persons is... Uh, one of the persons who's been suffering the past couple of years in our church physically is Grace Yang. And uh, many of you know that Grace in our church, uh, she's had bone marrow uh, cancer. And um, just discovering the bone marrow cancer, right, and, it, and just kind of uh, as a church journeying with her through that, from uh, seeing her body become physically weaker through this process, but at the same time trying to identify a bone marrow uh, match and all of that, and by the grace of God, a miracle that her brother was a match, and, and then she had that, um, you know, just the, the bone marrow transplant as well. But 
it's, uh, you know, the physical challenges of this kind of suffering has not been easy for grace at all. And I think one of the great privileges I feel like I have as a pastor is this. I get to visit uh, people like Grace, and I get to sit and have these conversations and see how she's doing and pray with her. But in the process of sitting and having these conversations with Grace and praying with her, I feel like, oh man, I came here to minister to you and to try to encourage you in some way, but I think I got more encouraged and ministered to, you know, from our time together than she did. Why? Because when, when I see Grace and I see the way that she, she's dealing with this, certainly it's, you know, there's no um, denial of the reality of how difficult it is, but what I've seen in our conversations and just my interactions with Grace is I see this tremendous gratitude that just flows out of her. And, you know, she's always just talking about things like, oh, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the church. I'm so grateful to have the, the body of, of Jesus uh, walking with me in this. And if it weren't for the church and if it weren't for you guys, um, you know, she doesn't know where she would be in this whole process. And just to see that she's ha- she has this Godward focus of seeing God's mercies and his grace um, in, in the day-to-day of, of this, this journey that she's going through. And I've been just tremendously blessed and encouraged uh, by her example. Uh, I'm learning, you know, from Grace. Grace, uh, you're such an encouragement, you know. And just to see her, her heart, her faith in the Lord. Um, but this is, this is an example of a life that knows the grace of Jesus, the grace of God, no pun intended, right? But this is, grace is someone who truly sees Jesus, who sees God's goodness in the midst of these things. And it's an attractive witness. Instead of being mired in self-pity, she's giving thanks to God. Which leads to my second point. And that is this. Gratitude is a choice before it's a feeling. It's a choice before it's a feeling. Gratitude as Paul talks about it, as the Bible talks about it, is not just a feeling. Okay? Sometimes you may feel grateful. Sometimes you may not. But it's not just a feeling. It's much more than that. Gratitude has less to do with, your, with good circumstances and things going well in your life and much more to seeing the goodness of God in the midst of your difficult circumstances. That's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, this, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, Paul doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, right? Like our visitors coming from NorCal, right? And Right now, the, the, the fires we've heard about and, oh, you know, thank you for the ashes and the air, you know, right? It's not giving thanks for all circumstances, but how do you give thanks in the midst of sometimes very difficult circumstances? This is the biblical idea of gratitude. And this is not dependent on whether things are pleasant or not but it's much more dependent on the unchanging nature of God's character. Gratitude 
is a powerful antidote to cynicism and discouragement and hopelessness and joylessness in the Christian life. It's a powerful antidote. Over and over, God commands his people. And it's a, by the way, it is a command. So it's, it's not an option. It's something that the Bible says so strongly that I'm going to, that Paul says, give thanks over and over. Paul says it uh, so many times in, in other letters too. Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And he's writing this in prison um, while he's been abandoned, beaten, persecuted, all of these things in his life, right? Philippians 4, 6, you know, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and, and supplication with thanksgiving. Uh, let your requests be made known to God, but with thanksgiving, right? So what Paul is saying is this, you may be anxious, there may be these things happening, but learn how to give thanks in the midst of your anxieties, your fears, the fears that are real, to counter these things. Uh, why? You know, a lot of times when we just set our eyes on circumstances, what happens? We just get discouraged. When we look at what is not going okay, or when we look at, wow, why is this so difficult? Um, what happens is that we get hardened because we just keep looking at the circumstance. We just keep our eyes focused on there, and we get consumed with these things, right? And we start becoming really uh, discouraged and cynical, and all these things start happening. But gratitude does what? It counters that because it, it takes our eyes off our circumstance, and it says, in the middle of this, God, I believe that you are good. You are working your grace in ways that I don't fully understand, and I don't fully get, but I trust. I trust that you are good. I believe in you. I believe that you are faithful to me. Your mercies to me are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I'm going to choose to, to put my eyes upon you in the midst of all of this. Johnny Erickson Tata says, The Bible doesn't say in everything, feel thankful feelings, but to give thanks. To give thanks. Never commands us, feel grateful. There's a difference, a strong difference, but to give thanks. And as you actually cultivate the action of giving thanks to God, look to see if your heart doesn't change. Look to see if your perspective doesn't change. I want to actually read to you something that, um, actually my sister-in-law, uh, she, when we were having our, our meal uh, last year, uh, she brought over this thing and she read it to us before we ate the meal. And, you know, normally like we, we have this prayer, you know, we all hold hands, we pray, and then we just start, you know, like attacking the turkey, right? Ah, and then we stuff ourselves and, you know, we, we feel like really selfish and gluttonous and all that, and then we confess that. But, you know, um, but yeah, no, she... She brought this thing uh, for us and just kind of recentering us. And I thought, oh, this is really good. So I thought, next Thanksgiving, I'm going to share this with the church. And so here we are. Man, year goes by fast. Okay. Anyway, um, so Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, he's one of the most famous presidents that we've had. But did you know where Thanksgiving came from? All right. 
It actually got, it actually got ratified or it, ma- it became a legal holiday because of Abraham Lincoln. And if you know anything about Abraham Lincoln, um, his life was not easy. And in 1861, November 28, 1861, he actually ordered the whole government to close down for a day to, um, to really just give thanks. And then in 1863, two years later, he made this an official holiday in America. But as he declared this to be an official holiday, um, he was in the midst of civil war. His nation is completely divided. If you ever read, there's a great biography of Abraham Lincoln called The Team of Rivals. If you read that biography, it, it's pretty amazing because it shows that his cabinet was made up of people who were all his opponents. All these people who like were smearing his name in public. He said, you know what? I see strengths in you. You're on my team. It's pretty amazing. Uh, pretty amazing guy, actually, Abraham Lincoln. And so in the midst of all this turmoil that's happening in his, in his country, in his life, all these things, he uh, comes out with this proclamation of thanksgiving. And this is, I'm going to read this to you. It's a little bit long, and the English is a little bit old, so that's why I kind of put it up here. But this is by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. And he wrote this. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come from, others have been added which are so extraordinary in nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, Peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed. And harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union. Needful diversions of wealth and strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the the plow, the shuttle, or the, the ship. The axe had enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines as well as of iron and coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege and the battlefield and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human council had devised hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the descriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged. And fervently implore the 
interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation, to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. That's good, right? Now, it's a little bit old, the English, okay? But look at Abraham Lincoln. What I see in here is this. Countries in strife, division, turmoil. But he is, he is filled with gratitude. Why? Because he knows that there is a God in heaven who reigns, who rules. And he is the one through whom they are experiencing undeserved blessing and goodness in the midst of that. Um, the Thanksgiving, gratitude is a choice you make. And the last thing I want to say is this. Gratitude is ultimately rooted in the gospel. Gratitude is ultimately rooted in the gospel. And Paul says in this uh, short verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And, you know, if I just said, well, just be thankful. Make choices of gratitude. It's not a feeling. And I just left it there. You have no anchor for your gratitude. The true anchor is Christ himself. Jesus Christ. Crucified, risen, who's alive. And... The experience of the cross of Christ, the experience of the gospel more than anything else is what leads us to true gratitude. Uh, Paul said this in 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 17. And I, gotta, I just got to read this passage. This, I, what Paul says here, this, this is it. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as a foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Why is Paul so thankful? He realized two things about himself. I am a great sinner, but Jesus is a great savior. If you know that you're a great sinner, but you know that Jesus is a great savior for you, that he came, he was crucified, absorbed the cost of your sin on that cross, risen, exalted. It leads to gratitude. It leads to worship, to praise. The gospel leads to worship. To this king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory. This Thanksgiving, root yourselves in the gospel. Root yourselves deeply in it. Share it with your unbelieving family, friends. When you gather together, enjoy the things, enjoy the turkey. But share with them Jesus. Paul never got over this. He never got over it. He never said, oh, the gospel, yeah, I know it. 
I was taught it a long time ago, Sunday school. I heard about it, church, a long time ago. I'm ready for more advanced things now. I'm ready to, you know, l- learn a lot deeper truths. I'm, I'm ready to, um, you know, do some things beyond the gospel. No, he never got over it. Paul says, he said very clearly, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came to the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. He says this in the present tense. Not I was, you know, yeah, I, I knew the gospel back then. I knew Jesus saved me. No, he says, I am the foremost of sinners. He understood it as a present reality in his life. Um, if you look at Jesus and you look at the cross, it's so opposite of who we are. Christ, who had every reason to complain and um, he was betrayed, right? He was crucified. He suffered all these things undeservedly. And for us, I mean, it's very easy for us to say, oh, you know, these, I've given so much of myself to this person or to this group, and they're so ungrateful. Oh, they're just so ungrateful. They don't even say thank you to me. Oh, these in- ingratiates, right? Um, all that I've done, all that I went out of my way to help them and to, to do these things for them, and they don't even say thank you to me. But Christ... All the things that happened against him, right? He gave his life completely for us. He could have hung on the cross and he could have said, oh, these ungrateful sinners, you know, these ungrateful sinners, oh, you know, they don't, they don't even respond to my word. They don't, you don't see that on the cross. In fact, if you look at the gospels, the final words that come out of Jesus' mouth, three times, on the night in which he was betrayed, he gave thanks three times. In Luke chapter 22, verse 17, during supper, before taking of the cup, the Bible records he gave thanks to the Father. And then, before taking the bread and distributing the bread, in Luke, two verses later in verse 19, the Bible records he gave thanks to God. And in Matthew 26, records that before, after supper, Um, After taking another cup, he gave thanks before God three distinct times in the final meal in which Jesus could have easily been self-absorbed. He could have easily just been thinking about his sufferings and his pain and, oh, you know, what I'm about to go through and just kind of been lost in his world, but he didn't. Three times he gives thanks to the Father. And the final words, one of the final words that Jesus says on the cross is this. He says, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And if you look at the cross of Jesus, you don't see a shred of self-pity, a shred of complaining, a shred of resentment. You don't see any of that at the cross. All you see is to the very end, Jesus focused on the Father, focused on God, and seeking to love the people for whom he came to save. When we see this undeserved mercy from Christ toward us, how could this not change us, right? Who did Jesus come to die for? He came to die for the ungrateful, you and I. Jesus Christ came to die for the people who didn't give him a second thought. He came to die for the people 
who are sometimes so self-absorbed, so callous to the things of God, so wrapped up in our own issues and problems that we can't give thanks to God. These are the people that Christ came to die for. You and I. The people who are oftentimes wrapped up in self-pity and self-preoccupation. These are people for whom Christ came to give his life for. And when you allow this good news to sink the mercies of God in your life, this mercy is what frees you to joyfully give your life in service to others without expecting benefit in return. Without expecting gratitude necessarily in return. But serving, why? Because Christ has served you. He has loved you first. I want you to uh, just take a moment and what I'd like to do is this. Um, you know, think about just in your life and let's come before God. This is not just an exercise, you know, just in gratitude, but this is about a response to God Almighty. And take a moment to just come before God and begin to, in your heart, and even quietly with your lips, begin to just really express your gratitude to God. As you think about Jesus, as you think about his mercy in your life, take a moment right now, will you, to just come before God, and would you begin to express that? Would you begin to come before God and say, Lord, I know that these, this life I have, it's undeserved from you. And I want to say thank you. Forgive me for my, the ways I have ignored and lost sight and lost focus. But, Lord, I take this time right now just to give you thanks, Jesus, for your, for your mercies in my life and your love for me. And then, yeah, we'll begin to pray. God, we uh, just come before you and, Lord, this life that we've been given, this life is a gift from you. You created us. You are our God, our maker, and, Lord, without you, Lord, we wouldn't even be here. Lord, many times we get wrapped up in our own preoccupations, 
Uh, Lord, we chase after false gods, false idols. We chase after things in our hearts that we feel would satisfy us when really our hearts long to know you most of all. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways that we are ungrateful, for the ways how often complaining comes out of our lips, how often uh, there could be blame or just self-pity in these things, God. But Lord, would you wash us, would you cleanse us, and would you, Lord, give us a renewed heart that's captured by the beauty of Jesus. The greatness, the amazement of the gospel, let us never cease to be amazed by this good news. Lord, if it's become old, would you make it fresh and new in our hearts once again? Lord, would you give us this utter amazement all the time that, wow, Jesus Christ would come in this world to save someone like me. And because of Jesus, I am a child of God. This is undeserved mercy. Lord, we praise you and we thank you, God. Lord, no matter what, we have all that we ever want, all that we ever need because of Jesus. What more could we ask for than Jesus? God, would you renew our hearts back onto you? Awaken us, Lord. Fill our hearts, our lips, our lives with gratitude. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.